0: Hi, everyone. This is Designing Futures with me, Angela Yeh. And um, if you're a subscriber and an avid listener, welcome back. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome. And um, I hope that you enjoy what you're going to about to hear and learn about. So if some of you may know, the podcast was brought about and funded by um, Thrive by Design and Yeh Ideology, um, Our program and our company thrive by design is a masterclass program developed to empower design professionals and creative leaders like you and through our lessons and sessions we help you unearth your highest potential and make exponential impact mastering and landing opportunities thus thriving in your career and yay ideology is a talent strategy firm with a mission to help companies partner with the best design talent through corporate consulting and recruitment we know that talent is the infrastructure for any business to succeed. And designers are the best change agents to help us today in this new world, um, ever changing economy, right. So to learn more about thrive by design and yay ideology, you can head over to thrive by design dot today, and www, uh, sorry, www, yay So without further ado, um, so excited today to introduce to you uh, a dear old friend of mine, Ina Alessina. Uh, I've known Ina for a very long time. I think we should get, go, Ina, how do we know each other, Ina?
1: Oh, I think it was uh, AWID, I think. AWID, hey,
0: yes, that's <laughs> right. Um, Association of Women in Design. Yes. Yeah. It's such a small group of women and what a great topic to talk about that, because um, this is, you know, interviewing you as part of Women History uh, Month. Uh, and but just amazing to have that little community to meet the few women at that time who were in design, right?
1: Yeah, I think it was in industrial designers specifically at the yes, time. Yes,
0: yes, yes, it was. And rare community, right? Um, in fact, we then got to, I just loved your ideas and your tenacity and your ingenuity. Um, and then you had that design that we worked on together. We'll, we'll yes. get into that a little bit later. <laughs> <laughs> but um, really quick, let me go into just telling li- a little bit more about you. Ina is a maker, a thinker, a learner, and a teacher. She is an assistant professor at Stevens University. Oh, associate. associate professor at Already, got promoted. Already, yeah. that's news, new yes. news.
1: Yes, Angela, so I did get promoted and uh, Stevenson University is a um, small private school here in suburb of, of Baltimore. And uh, very nice, um, very nice community. So excited to teach here.
0: I can't wait to get into your teaching. Um, And for those of you guys listening, Aina is being really great. We're like throwing her into this immediately. Um, Just so you guys know, working in this recording, we've got, I've come down with a cold if you can't haven't heard it in my voice. So hopefully I will have my mute button ready so I'll spare all the listeners. And we have an apartment being renovated down below us. So there's that.
1: So, Angela, thank you so much for reaching out. Um, uh, I know we haven't got to talk about this, but this is um difficult time for me right now because, as you know, uh, I originally come from Kharkiv. Um, Kharkiv is the second city in Ukraine, second largest city in Ukraine, which is, um, yeah, it's a cultural center, and they have a very cool... Um, art school, which I think is called, I think it's called Academy of Design now. And um, many designers and all my, all my foundations that I learn in design and art, um, I learn in Harkiv. And I, even though I've been in this country for 30 plus years, I am surprised and Stunned how this war affects me, even though I've been here for so long. It's really, really insane what's happening. It's beyond words. Getting very emotional, and uh, yeah, thank you for reaching out. This uh, is yeah, this is. Big.
0: I can I cannot imagine what you are moving through, Ina. Um, and you know, I thought about. You know, who could we, we had Women's History Month and and what's going on in the world and design. And I, you know, just came across, you know, we reconnected on social on, you know, thank God for social in certain ways, right? For us to find each other again. And I wanted, and just catching up with you, wanted to share your story and, and kind of what you're moving through because it's, you know, you are, you were always tenacious. Um, so I think passionate about design and such a great soul. And I think it's beautiful how, um, well, difficult what you're moving through, but also, um, want it courageous, what you're moving through. Can you tell us what your life is like now? And, and like, who do you have in, um, in, you know, back at, in Ukraine, you know, your relatives, who's there and what's that like, even though you're here, right? there are ties there for you, right? Sure.
1: So, as I said, we came to this country 30 plus years ago as refugee refugees, me and my husband. I'm from Kharkiv and he's from Kiev. Um, and um, we build family here. We have three children and um, three boys. They already... Grown up, mostly grown up, and um, uh, yeah, I uh, went back to school here at Parsons first and then continued my education at Maryland Institute of the College of Art. I've been teaching for 20 plus years, first as an adjunct for like 15 years, and finally now at Stevenson University as the, as the associate full time professor. I switched, um. Uh, well, first, I, you, as you know, when we met, I'm very passionate about product design. Public have patents and won Red Dot Design Awards, and you have all- so
0: many awards. And, and 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 let me just say, as a fellow designer, early on when I met you, and then you know, becoming a recruiter and having met so many designers, your work has always impressed me. Um, you know, I think in this podcast, it's getting to have people meet you. There's so many talented designers like you who maybe you're not, you know, like not not TEDx yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the work is absolutely impressive. And where you go, where you choose to go, you know? Great. And you choose to teach. And I love that because I know so many designers uh, that as they evolve in their career, they, we love teaching. And I want to talk about that and why that yeah. has become your impact and your mission, you know?
1: Sure. So it, it, like when we met, right. I, I was um, already interested in sustainability and materials and our first project together with this egg carton st- stool that made from egg, egg crates, which is still um, yeah. still kind of popular out there. I love anyway, it. Thank you. So yeah, it's completely biodegradable eventually, and uh, I have a proof of it. Uh, Always interested in kind of like DIY repurposing of materials, but with, um, and yes, working for um, client and my own client and producing things from boats to toys, to shoes, to all kinds of products, eventually gradually started to question Uh, my impact of all this stuff, even though we uh, create products that spark joy and help someone how much, um, how we choose to use our talents and expertise to really help the earth and the future rather than contribute to the problem. So slowly, eventually, started to think about um, addressing wicked problems rather than consumer need specific human-centered needs. And that's why um, uh, logical shift to um, teaching design thinking and branding and graphic design, because communication becomes a bigger, uh, becomes a bigger, like... This type of problems we're talking about cannot be just solved with technology and materials only. It's just changing behaviors and all that stuff that is kind of messy. It's
0: changing awareness, right? Or or education first.
1: Right, so uh, yeah. So thinking about um, me sitting down and trying to solve one problem versus having a class of 30 students we all kind of tackling this problem. It multiplies your impact, uh, even, you know, it just like maybe mm-hmm. sparks, sparks a little, it's just, I feel like it's a little bit more impactful. I'm still passionate about stuff. I still wanna make stuff, even though uh, my, uh, my thesis project at MICA was uh, bread making, communal bread making, the idea of switching, still could be creative and make stuff, but things that don't don't float in the ocean and <laughs> and pollute the environment, things that get consumed and completely, yeah. um, ups, you know, like um, uh, integrated back into you know food for other plants. Uh, yeah, and uh, slowly switching my um, uh, focus from human centered to other than human, like bigger picture. Mm. What about the, Oh uh, yeah.
0: Well, well, and and then let me just say that what you just voiced, I think, in all of my years, all the hundreds and thousands of people I meet in design, this is one of the most common angst as a product designer, industrial designer, is the work that you do. We we start with the. The joy of creation, of making, but then when you successfully make things, you start to realize when your product is out there and it becomes pollution. That is such a common angst that many industrial designers have, um, and you know. So what you're speaking about, I'm sure, touches on something that um, all designers wonder about, right? The paradox of this profession. I, I want. I know I, I took us off on a tangent because I wanted people to understand kind of your history too. But can we go back to I don't know if you want to talk or we'll continue to your thought about what you're doing now and how that's evolved into more environmental, but I do want to go back to like, you know, talk about how you're taking your day, you know, so mm-hmm. look, tell me about what you've evolved to from industrial design, you've moved into, you know, graphics, graphic design communications, right, realizing that it's part of this is education, right, you got to bring awareness for people to start to care.
1: Right. So, yeah. Um, thinking not far back, thinking about when pandemic started, right. Mm. Again, we <laughs> sort of like going through all this crazy times. Um, first thing of course is, is first thought is like, how can I help with just like, can I even help with design? Is design still relevant, right? Like what can you do? And of course doing something, even something small, um, trying to figure out first we didn't have masks (laughs) and like everybody and they started like getting my sewing machine and all my material fusing all kinds of plastics together trying to make that structure and posting uh posting videos on how to use what you have and little 3d printer parts so i went through that and it does feel it does make you feel a little bit better because you feel like you um you have a purpose Mm -hmm. um by yeah. the environment, too, you can walk and see trash everywhere, but um, organ like instead of just going and picking up it yourself, organizing neighborhood cleanup and meeting, like, and being surprised, like, you all of a sudden 30 plus volunteers show up and people who live on your street and you've been here for 20 years and you never even met your neighbors because you know it's a suburb and people now like everybody knows me and it's just you know like just starting doing something and it doesn't i mean design does it okay design process yes it's a it's a it's the same right yes You start with like what's the problem? And of course, you know the design process is you you it's not linear. Like if you know the solution, you cannot design anything. So you just like create this open-ended inquiry. Yes. How might we do this i love
0: i love uh, you know what i do think i mean i came from the industrial design background as well right i went from pratt for my master's in industrial design and i think um the basic philosophy and the premise and the pro the process of industrial design or design in general now design strategy right design research design thinking it is the a great model for problem solving. And so I love how you did this even in your community. So did you just felt compelled to just start this cleanup and no one just by yourself and-
1: Right, so you go through like, okay, prototyping, and and, you know, you- (laughs) yeah. You're like mocking things up. You see who pays attention or random people stop the car. Thank you for picking up trash. It's like, okay, well, maybe there's an organization like why I've been doing this by myself all this life. Of course, there's an organization and they give you supplies and they even pick this trash We pull out the half a ton of garbage and they came and pick it up. And I did not know if these resources exist because I was not using design thinking, I was just doing my thing. So it was really interesting how you can apply to pretty much any problem. For example, right now, uh, you create crisis in Ukraine. Um, How can, uh, I mean, first you sit down, you sit there like all depressed and and it's just, you know, don't know what to do and then, uh, you start thinking, okay, we're going to design some cool tourniquets and like people going to use them. And then you start researching, people say, you know what? <laughs> it, it's like it's a wrong approach. So you kind of like testing the things. And then you eventually, um, you know, like four weeks later, you stream it down to, okay, I know exactly how to get things to whoever needs it. And here's how I do it. And um, uh, created a list with specific stuff, made a QR code. I touched on my mailbox. <laughs> you
0: know, like, okay, now,
1: now if you have questions, I have it all figured out because right in the beginning, we we're all like trying all these things and like who yeah. knows what helps, what not. So, having a purpose um, in Ukraine. So, yes, um, I have a family. And um, they send their children um, out of the country. Uh, My cousin and her husband cannot leave because they have an elderly mom and they cannot even go to shelter. I mean, you know, the people, people live in the Metro family live there for about a month. They haven't lived. They have not left the Metro.
0: My
1: my family in their house, they kind of on the mercy of if, you know, because bombs fall everywhere indiscriminately. It's just, you know, constant bombardment. Yeah, they want to have life as normal. My cousin, she's the professor. She teaches math at the university. Uh, She, luckily, because of COVID, they have everything figured out long distance. So she's still teaching her
0: postdoctoral
1: students. and
0: Throughout this, while she's in. Yes, and she
1: and she edits her articles or whatever publication she was working on she, they they are intellectuals they want to continue working. he's a writer he writes wow he writes amazing blog but he chose to write only useful things or positive things
0: mm-hmm. so when uh, he have nothing to write about i've i've heard and this is such a, so indicative i think of um ukrainians so so many are, are wanting to keep working. Um, where are her students joining in from? Right. Are they also um, in the same situation?
1: Right. So we actually had a little conversation about this um, before. Um, half of it, it depends. Some students in shelters. They have a good Wi-Fi in shelters.
0: Oh my goodness! Uh,
1: in the metro, the whole metro Soviet era metro built for to withstand atomic bomb. <laughs> Go <laughs> no, because they were afraid of american bombs it's just bizarre they have volunteers bring you know they have toilet, they have people set up tents and stuff um yeah they have wi-fi if people joining some people love the country they could be joining from poland or western ukraine but uh what surprised me that school over, like from last monday like a week ago mm-hmm. school in ukraine went back to session That's Not okay. everywhere probably but most of ukraine
0: that's insane school has gone back for what grades like i i don't know wow.
1: exactly but the if oh, people God. cannot get to school they have a tv school mm-hmm. they even have a tv baby uh, kindergarten <laughs> oh my goodness so people who cannot yeah. find daycare put their child in for, in front of educational programming, wow, on TV or social media. It's just incredible, which was surprising to me. I was like, how people would even think of going back to school? But right. people want people want
0: normal normalcy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just Get to, You know, I'm sorry, and I'm, and I'm sorry to. Thank you yeah. for sharing what you're going through. Um, your, I think it, you said it was your sister. Uh, how old are yeah, your cousin? How old are the kids that she had to let, you know, have them leave the country while she stayed? How old? Her
1: younger her- daughter? Her, her younger daughter. I think she's about twenty five. She she my my cousin. She is about my age a little older. Um yeah, she is now in Europe and her older they they all well both her daughters is mathematicians, they're all professors. The older one I think teaches in at university in US. So but she's been here already.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But they stayed behind and have no um, possibility or desire to live. So there's many people staying behind. The pictures that we see is horrible. It's just unreal i mean i'm sure you all seen it it's just how can so many people can be devastated lost life and thinking i mean i know architectural history is not i mean people say buildings can be rebuilt but if you have a building that was you know if you have a yeah it's historical buildings that been there that survived second world war (laughs) survived you know Mm. survived all of that Mm. and now, you know, I don't know what's gonna happen to my city i do uh, I do want to go back someday and, and take my kids. Um, I would like also like to mention that we have amazing support here, um, people at work, uh, they started meal train, they bring well, in
0: comfy food. <laughs> <laughs> well and the, and i remember we were talking about this because i've never heard of a meal train and you know like w- with what's happening and you must be all consumed every day all day you know like how's this affecting your daily life and and then you know how how yeah. we came across the topic you know the topic of meal trains came up i mean
1: right so it did not like wouldn't come to my mind that my social media consumption eight nine hours a day and then you know my kids come who's in middle school he's like mom what's for dinner it's 10 o'clock at night i'm like
0: sorry i I lost track of time so it's really helpful that and and you're on me social media to to, yeah to,
1: constantly uh, translating to, 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 see, to see right. if there
0: if they're and...
1: translating things from Ukrainian to English, uh, uh-huh. writing, writing um, uh, uh, what is it um, you know writing to different government uh, you know petitions, all, uh-huh. ki- all kinds of things sharing stuff, answering questions, clarifying things.
0: Um, Can we follow you? Would would someone following you on sh- social media learn a little bit yeah. more about what's going on? Or is, are you doing this um, more for your family and your connections there? No,
1: I mean, I don't know. The ones that I follow is on um, Telegram from Ukrainian um, sources mm-hmm. that uh, just really keep in track. I, I, I only share things. I share things on Facebook. Okay. That's all I use right okay.
0: now. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Thank God for social media, at least for you to be able to connect. Are you, do you is this how you get to see if their your family's okay? Yes. If they post? Yes. Oh yes. So
1: uh, it is like a searching for signs of life, right? Every day, seeing if they posted something or even they liked something because if they social, if the internet connection goes slow down, they may not write anything, but just if they liked something today, I know they were safe at the time. They're like, how wow. crazy that wow. is.
0: Well. Wow. Wow. And so this must consume you all day. Um, it is.
1: And it affects so many people. And we have even family who escaped from Russia. It's another side of that story. Intellectual people who understand what's going on don't want to have, you know, behind the iron curtains to stay back in Russia. They leave everything behind, cars, apartments, family mementos. And they live whatever way they can, um, whatever age they are, because their children or grandchildren maybe in the west. So they're afraid they may never see their family again. So people just um, where do they go? Or the, so they go to is right now. They go to Istanbul for because they, like you cannot even fly from, and then they go to Europe to Germany to join their family. I mean, they feel like. Um, pariahs in some way, right? But they also might have been protesting or might have not been protesting because they're afraid because they're elderly themselves, no. but they definitely not agree. And they, yeah, there's many people displaced over there too. Um, so again, just wanna remind people that it's not war with Russian people. It's not the war of Russian people. There's many people in Russia who disagree with Putin. But um,
0: thank you, thank you, Ina, uh, for reminding us. Yeah, right?
1: It's just, it's just hard, and there's also some people who might have family there, and they're afraid to voice. Even though in the West, they're afraid to voice anything. I mean, people, you, you can know, you can never know how far this evil can go. Who can get? Um, detained for what right if they're going to find out your relatives being very vocal people just afraid because <laughs> this is not it's just like back in Stalin's Russia like when millions and millions of people can just like grab and sent to gulag for telling a joke and then coming 20 years later <laughs> and don't really? tell a thing don't tell anything because they're still afraid they see ashamed and afraid It's just
0: that's such what a crazy times we create what a trap when you guys left years ago how did you make that decision like what 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 how did you choose to come here Mm. to america
1: right we we could only we came as refugees at the time um before it like at the very end, when Soviet, before Soviet Union collapsed, there was an organization here in America called Hayas. The Hayas, I think it's a Jewish organization, but they also bring refugees from all over the world. And they, um, I think they petitioned to American Congress about the situation of Jews who is minor, minority in Ukraine and uh, the fact that during Soviet Union, Ukrainian, um, in Ukraine and Soviet Union, all over Soviet Union, Jews could not, um, yeah, we we were, um, uh, we were not like in the physical danger, but there were specific quotas for Jews to go to university or to get a job. We were clearly discriminated on a state level. So it mm-hmm. was enough, it was enough to pass, um, um, i think it's a law to consider if you J- jewish and we had a stamp in the passport actually in soviet union it had a stamp in the passport telling who you are so even though i have a russian sounding name uh it's you still have a like you still you you go wow. to job interview like my husband he would go to job interview and they look at his passports. like oh why didn't you tell us you we cannot have any more jews we have we already have a full quota so he couldn't find a job even though a
0: quota like they have a, a, yeah, and they a, quota, have a quota and like, once they meet mean, the quota they
1: yes it's like five percent of jews everybody else have to be russian or ukrainian so could wow. not find employment or get into university so we came as a, you know, we came as refugees. We went through the process with American embassy. How did you choose
0: America? America, right. So how did you choose America? Right. Thank
1: we you. we didn't. Um, we could only come to America if you have relatives here. But uh, we, we kind of like said, like wh- whatever community will take us. So Baltimore community accepted our family with seven people. I remember arriving to BWI airport and the volunteers meeting us and taking us to a house. It was refrigerator was all, you know, filled with food. And Mm. next morning, volunteers came and took us to sign up for community college English lessons. (laughs) And yeah, we've been, we've been refugee. We had, um, we had volunteers talking to us in conversational English teaching, like helping us to, um, yeah, it's k- culturally and, you know, all that stuff. And so um, it was incredible. And then I got accepted to Parsons and I went to New York and, you know, I. I. And then I got, I was win, fortunate
0: enough to meet you.
1: <laughs> started to win design competitions. Oh
0: <laughs> and goodness.
1: then, yeah. So, but first um, it was a culture shock and um, we didn't understand much i couldn't understand much but people when talk about around me when they didn't talk directly with at me slowly right oh, i don't think i understand very much my first year at parsons too i think my second year was much better
0: <laughs> amazing you're amazing I like your story and I love how that you've you know were embraced and brought in and you had so many resources in a community that took you in. That's beautiful. Um, where I'm I'm noticing the time and uh, just curious what what can you is there anything that you with to all the designers, Ukrainian designers, creatives, by the way, there is another um, uh, on I think our LinkedIn Live we talked about Guido Barata. He's a UX designer, and he did, does have a um, Ukrainian designer. He uh, UX uh, he has a channel on Discord. I don't know if you know him. The or the channel he has is Designers United for Ukraine, and um, I'd love to connect you to him. Sure. Yeah, so you know just so that you can you know it's can grow your community. But um, what what messages or thoughts do you have for us well i mean if we have more time i wanted to know you know you are working with so many young designers you know we're both um i work with people at all levels right from high level design professionals to but not so much as actually as much as you though we're um brave on my uh, team, our podcast producer was just telling me that we're we're gaining so many young design listeners but What's the difference um, for you, even like during the pandemic or as a result of the pandemic, you know, or, or just in general, what's the difference in young designers versus the designers that we, are, our generation, right? Mm.
1: Interesting question. Yeah. Um, well, I, I want to speak about m- m- my students personally. So um, it a been a shift from t- teaching specific design students to teaching more classes where, um, you know, it's multidisciplinary. Mm. Um, Students come to take my classes, not specifically designed for designers. They could be nursing students or criminal justice. It's very interesting. I mean, maybe it's more like American model where we don't, I mean, maybe the university where I currently teach, it's not just academic, um, you know, conservatory, right? uh, What I'm I'm really enjoying, and I mean, we talked before, I haven't mentioned much now that my work is increasingly multidisciplinary. My latest project is about biology and biomimicry, and I work with fungi and lichens and all the invasive species. It's just shifting from product design per se. So, multidisciplinary it, to me is the only way to kind of solve any problem, really. Mm-hmm. So, uh, working with design, working with young people who may not identify as designers, but uh, kind of going back to design processes and how it's relevant, how, okay. Design connected to every discipline in the world. There's probably no discipline that you can't like, you can probably find connection to design in every discipline. Right. Right. And thinking of design in every, everything we can offer from methodology to just yeah. communication strategy to how it close it to scientific methodology, all of that is just Mm. super exciting. And uh, first asking students like, I mean, of course it's like, I'm not a designer, I'm not an artist. And then showing them that there's so many things design can offer to other disciplines and vice versa. uh, It's it's really opens the world. So I think if you have opportunity to work with, Whoever it is, not related to design, but person passionate about their own field, mm. uh, it, it's really inspiring to me.
0: I love that you're reaching out and sp- spreading the the educate the gospel of design. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, no, but uh, you know, I love that because you know one of the things that designers always often struggle with is my my uncle doesn't you know my the bus driver the local coffee person or my neighbor or my doesn't know what design is right Mm -hmm. so you're there at the forefront educating what design is and teaching design thinking to people who may not think it might be of value to them but you're right it does it is a it is a problem solving methodology that it kind of teaches people to be more open-minded about what the situation they're in and how to see it in different perspectives. I think that's my take. Right.
1: And and also the fact there is no one right. On, There's like, yes. I mean, there could be multiple, multiple solutions. Solution could be strategy, could be an object, could be an app, could be lecture or mm-hmm. book and all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, it, it it's, in, it's much more exciting to me than having just we need to make a, you know, a shoe mm-hmm. <laughs> or mm-hmm. it needs to be, you know, a water bottle, you know. <laughs> it's much <laughs> more interesting to approach problem with this open-ended.
0: Um, what else? Well, and, and you're talk about impact and i think as creatives we want to impact more you're right if you're designing just one model of a shoe or some particular product or even a service that's one thing but when you're teaching people that's the rest of their lives and hopefully they will then share what their method and how it's changed their thinking
1: right as i said earlier the world becomes what we teach i think john i don't remember who said that quote uh, a Jinga doll and um also thinking about victor Papanik who said that everyone is a designer i still believe in this yeah. i believe everyone is a designer and people just somehow afraid of big word design you need to go to school for that but actually everyone you make a decision and that's a design you <laughs>
0: If you were to give advice to so many designers who are listening today, right? What's advice? I mean, I think that, um, what's advice that you can give them to teach the, the premise of design or, or the basics of design thinking? Like if, you know, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. you're there. <laughs> with right. So, and they're like, what do you do? What, mm-hmm. you make this thing a cup or <laughs> a phone? What do you yeah. mean? So, right. So,
1: yeah, these games that I'm practicing, that I'm giving them very small constraint, like you have a rubber band and you need to solve that. Uh, that's fun because it's like simple brainstorming with materials.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I... When I work with a client, I usually become give homework to clients a lot watch this video and then we'll discuss or take this class on circular <laughs> material, right? Cradle to cradle or whatnot. Right. And uh, yeah, I'm not shy of giving people homework because I want to be on the same page. Um, I don't want people. T- I, I mean, I do want to help a client, but we need to really open up the question, like what really they do and, and why. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I do have to educate people often around me. What's designing? I just said like, well, my favorite design is the paperclip. <laughs> Simple, you never notice it, like good design. You, I mean, of course, I yeah. Yeah. don't need to preach it to designers that designers need to become... Um, I mean, you don't need to over-design things.
0: Yeah. And
1: how many more stuff we need, really. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> designers.
0: I know that you're teaching. You've got your corporate clients as well. Do you have a standard and a bar for that? I mean, because of your, your philosophy, do you have a bar for all the companies that keep coming to you? You're like, nope, nope, nope. You're not, you know, like, yeah. what's yeah. your...
1: Yeah, purchase. I do. I I do turn. I mean, I yeah, I turn so many projects you know down because it's just yeah. Not, I'm not even interested in. Um, yeah, I was just telling you I took a year off from designing for people. I've been designing for land in, in my How favorite minutes. in in my favorite um, a local uh, park. I asked a question. Uh, what? What I mean after reading um Brady Sweetgrass book, I asked the question, should um yeah, how would, like what the gifts of this land and what the needs of this land? And maybe people, if we do come to this land, we maybe we can remove trash and maybe help with invasives, but actually, how can I use my talents and um uh, meet the needs of the plant and trees and like things here? rather than looking down and use it as we usually do. So I'm much more interested in this other than human design Mm. (laughs) right now, uh, because the world is much more connected and we cannot just take, take, even though, even biomimicry is questionable because we borrow things and use it for our, right. Out of context
0: also, right.
1: Right. And it's, superficial. I, I, I did this lecture um, in New Mexico about a month ago and we talked about that if you look at honeycomb structures, how smart you know nature designed honeycomb structure but when you google um, architecture inspired by honeycomb structures so architecture inspired by spirals, all these natural structures stuff is superficial it's just about how it looks. It's about looking cool, rather than
0: mm.
1: like what really organism you know strategies work. To me, working with biologists is much more interesting. And I don't know why I missed that class. when I was <laughs> doing <kids. laughs> design. Why I never like paid attention to.
0: you like going real- back to it now. You're finding yeah. it now. I love how you're following your passion. Um, yeah, This is such an inspirational story. I think for so many designers, you know, I think one message to designers is, and something that I, I personally believe, while design has taught us such a beautiful way of thinking, a method to see a situation and a problem to unpack it and find solutions, we don't need to stay within the title of design or the industry. I mean, here you are, you moving into solving biology and environments. And in that world, I've met people where your title is no longer the design, the title of designer strategy doesn't come up, you know, like, don't worry about that title, use your ability in how it solves problems. That's really what in the end, they want. And so for anyone I've met so many people who wonder, Ina, they wonder how do I move into something that I care about? How do I take all this incredible ability and move it into a space that I feel compelled about? And and following your models, just go and begin and do it and get into that community and learn and then engage and, and see what you can do to start making a change. Beautiful. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You you put it really well. I really enjoy uh, to have my colleagues to be um scientists and psychologists yes and uh chemistry teacher that i would it's like some sometimes i ask more questions from chemistry te- i mean coming from design i in the, we still be curious about materials and natural materials i get so many interesting things by asking like why this and why that <laughs> you know, Having uh, working in an organization when i have my colleagues who not only designers really really makes it rich
0: yeah yeah go and yeah join that community right not just to be around designers and talking to other designers when we talk to each other this is about mm-hmm. our method and our practice but mm-hmm. find your community that you serve right and you found the community that you serve or the yeah i love it Thank you. um you you've mentioned some great books can you share them with us after this so that we can share okay some philosophy, some books that um, other people might want to read. Um, mm-hmm. And if there's any, you know, things that we, you know, other designers can do to help support um, what's going on in Ukraine. And and just, I really appreciate you sharing the stories of both, you know, the family and friends that you have there in Ukraine and in Russia. I mean, like, let's not, it's amazing. Yeah.
1: So well, a couple of things, I don't know, um, as you mentioned, you even forgot I was from Ukraine, right? I know, you, people now like, oh, before all this nonsense, I had to have a slide in my presentation. Here's Kharkov. This is where it's in located. This is Ukraine. Not yeah. not anymore. So you might have met someone it's through you somewhere that come from Moldova or Poland right. or Belarusia, right? They all, these people right now could use you to reach out to them and ask, how's your family in Belarus?
0: yeah I'll and still, even the right? ukrainians here like you your your day is consumed by just making sure hoping you're getting signs of life from them so you, how you're doing that on top of carrying your life um so the meal trains are helpful for you i'm sure anybody like you or here um might want and need, could use some yeah. support
1: for And mean sure.
0: even to, to realize that maybe when we're meeting russians here too that may they may be in similar situations where they don't um right align with you know what's happening uh so. yeah just do
1: a little care package for someone you know come from that part of the world just little you know maybe um grab hub coupon for for a meal or something a, yeah. a bottle of wine <laughs> just something <laughs> i think it would really help people to just feel uh, that they especially if they come from Russia and they feel maybe right now the culturally like this um cancel culture around everything Russian uh, yeah and I think if you know someone and you can reach out but just send them a card I think it will help thank you Angela so much
0: thank you Ina. I'm really glad that we bumped into each other again on social you know there's good and bad to that um, ability and uh, uh, social networks. It's how you use it. And I'm so glad that it brought us back together again um, for us to share your story. Um, good luck on everything that you're doing. And I'm really grateful that I'm able to share your story here today. For is there anything else that you'd like to share and anything else that you wanna talk about before we close out? next steps for ina environments watch her start to solve um global issues i love that space and and how she's educating everyone all of you i mean this is a wonderful challenge we all lament as creatives that people don't get our space but maybe in helping them solve their problems walking through how they see themselves in their own situation that might be the best way to exhibit design's ability right the the method
1: so I mean, you, you kind of think that all this young generation very active and volunteers already, but maybe they're not or maybe they little, need little push. So if you feel helpless and hopeless with all this news, volunteer somewhere and meet different type of people or volunteer some very different type of organization that outside. Yes. And yes, maybe- the challenge is
0: go to non-design communities, right? Go to what you're passionate about or curious. Right. And I think the first phase of design is really listening. You right. the the ability to ask the right questions to help them unpack their problems. Just observe. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, where can people follow you, Ina? Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> I need to, to be better with my social media. <laughs> you're going to
0: make a you're going yeah. to make websites of people <laughs> Yeah,
1: I do have a website and I do have an email and I'll put it all I mean, I'll put it all in there. And uh, I do have Facebook. I do have Instagram too, but you need, need to streamline everything. So
0: Don't worry about it. One step at a time. Well, thank you so much for joining us um, and everyone else listening in. Oh, I hear the nails uh, in the apartment downstairs. I think the, the workers are, you know, contractors are back to work and lunch is over. So um, just wanted to say thank you for everyone for listening in. I hope that this has really been, um, it's been a beautiful uh, interview for me today to share with you, Ina Ina. Alicina. And I hope this has inspired all of you to see kind of what you could do to move through what's going on today as a designer, as a, a listener listening and watching what's happening in the world. Please follow us. Uh, follow Designing Futures and listen to our other podcasts. Um, you know, Visit our website, yayideology.com, and you can follow us on social at Yay Ideology. We also do lives on LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn Lives and Facebook. So if you want to learn more also about our thriving um, in a career in design, you can head over to thrivebydesign.today. Everyone, thank you so much for listening and have a good week.